Welcome back to Bible Time. The lesson today is He that despiseth God from 1 Thessalonians 4, 8. Now the text here doesn't say it just like that. It says, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, who hath also given unto us His Holy Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, please help me to teach, help me to preach, help me to do whatever you'd have me to do. Please open and illuminate our understanding and your scriptures to our minds. And Lord, do the supernatural today and teach us in spite of our carnality, in spite of our ignorance. Father, fill us with thy spirit and help us to learn and to understand your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So here it says, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. So we're going to talk about this guy that despises God, this this that despises despiseth God. Who is this guy? Are you this guy? Could it be me? I don't want to be that guy. Do you want to be the guy that despises God? Do you want to be a guy that despises God? What does it mean to despise something? To despise something is to discount that person or that object, to scorn it, to think it unfit or unworthy of recognition, uh, unworthy of recognition, to belittle, to pass by, to overlook, to despise it. I may preach someday on what cities are these, my brother, from Hiram, whenever Solomon gave him those cities. But Solomon gave Hiram some cities, and he says, what cities are these my brother and he called them cobble unto this day and he and the name i forget what the name means i haven't studied it out in a while but the name there cobble is derogatory and he said to solomon these cities are junk he despised the gift that he had been given he wasn't happy with it he despised it and he despised the gift from solomon i wonder what god thought of that because solomon was god's anointed and solomon had the blessing and god had said he that um, blesseth you i will bless and he that curseth you i will curse. And here Hiram says, what cities are these? My brother, we find interestingly in that passage of scripture that it turns out at the end of that little story that Hiram gave Solomon a whole bunch of gold in exchange for the cities he didn't want anyway. And so it turned out that God got his way. The Jew got the money and God was um, pleased. That's usually how it goes, by the way. The Jews are God's chosen people. That's just a side note. It's free. I don't charge any extra for it. And that's a joke. Not charging anything for any of this. But um, in any case, the Jew is God's chosen. Um, they are God's chosen people physically, genetically, the children of Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and then the 12 sons of Jacob uh, who carry on the 12 tribes of Israel, the physical, exact, real, never lost, never have been lost, never will be lost, 12 tribes of Israel who are the literal, physical, genetic offspring of Abraham are the blessed people of God and they that bless them are blessed and they that curse them are cursed even though those people have blindness in part happen to them until the fullness of Gentiles be come in. That's a different note for another day but it does kind of apply because if you despise the Jew you despise God. He said that he that toucheth you, he said to Jacob toucheth the apple of mine eye. That's a strong statement God said of the Jews he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of my eye. Who here wants me to touch the apple of your eye today. What do you think the apple of your eye is? Huh? Yeah, it's that dead center part. 
and it's really sensitive and you don't have to poke very hard to get somebody's attention when you poke them in the eye, do you? And God's saying, he that toucheth you to Jacob toucheth the apple of mine eye. We're going to look at this because God carries this over the Gentile church, not the Gentiles. The Gentile church has been grafted into the branch out of, of David, the branch out of the root of Jesse. The Gentile church has been grafted in to the spiritual privilege and blessings of Israel, though not the physical promises that pertain specifically to the physical seed, but the spiritual promises and the spiritual blessings of Israel, the Gentile church has been grafted into. That's out of Romans 9, 10, 11. And boy, did we open a can of worms with all that, that we're not even going to get into today. Lord willing, we'll get to study that more another day, but that's just the raw, straight, basic, believe the Bible for what it says, accurate, rightly divided interpretation of scripture and anything else is junk and hogwash and trash. The church is not replacing Israel, cannot replace Israel. And if it does, then God is not God. He's not true. He's not holy. He's not just, and he's not love. If the church has thoroughly replaced Israel and not rather been grafted in as the Bible says. So stay out of that heresy of replacement theology that is a repudiation and a stench in the nostrils of God who said, though he said that when his covenant with the sun and the stars is over, then he will not keep his covenant with Israel. Whenever this, he says, until the earth passes away completely, he will keep his covenant with the nation of Israel. He's promised to keep his covenant and he will keep his covenant. God is a covenant keeping God and he loves those people, even though they do stupid things and have messed up. And there's a lot of Jews that make a mess out of this world and are making a mess out of this world. Yet God loves them um, because they are the physical seed of Abraham and he's going to, and he has restored them a country and he's also going to restore them someday to spiritual privilege. The Bible says, and all Israel shall be saved. So be careful. He that despiseth God is he that despiseth the Jew. We'll just throw that in there for free. None of that was really planned or even in my notes, really. But he that despiseth Israel despiseth God. Do you want to be the guy to despise God? Do you want to be the guy to trample God's name under your feet? Do you want to be the guy to mock God and point your finger at God and say, that's not true and I don't believe you and that's no good? Do you want to be God's enemy? Do you want want to look down your long nose at God and point your finger at God and tell God how wrong he is? Do you want to be that guy? I don't want to be that guy. That guy's not going to end in a good way. Proverbs eleven twelve. Proverbs has more about despising than any other any other book in the Bible by far. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine references to despising in the book of Proverbs out of roughly twelve or thirteen or something like that in the whole Bible. And here in Proverbs eleven twelve, he says, "He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace." So he that is void of wisdom 
wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. The context there, the next proverb, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. So you can despise your neighbor by running your mouth. You can despise your neighbor by shooting off your mouth and saying things that you shouldn't say about them, even if they're true. Be careful what you say about the Jew. Be careful what you say about Christ's church. Um, Proverbs 13, 13, whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. So we can learn in these contrasts what despising is. Despising is shooting off your mouth, running your mouth about something or someone. Despising here is ignoring and not fearing the commandment. So despising means not giving reverence, not giving honor to one to whom honor is due, not listening and obeying and heeding the commandment. Proverbs 14, 2, and he that walketh in his uprightness, he feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. So someone that acts wickedly, does wicked deeds, is despising God, but he that walketh in his uprightness, he feareth the Lord. So the lack of fear and the lack of honor for God is a despising of God, and that lack of fear and lack of honor that leads to sin then despises God through sin, and God is despised by sin. When you sin, you might as well, listen to me today and pay attention, look right up here, you might as well take your fist and ball it up and shake it in the face of God when you choose to go and break His commandments and sin against His Bible. What a grievous offense this is. We asked the question at the beginning, who wants to despise God? Who wants to be that guy? Not me. Every time you sin against God, you are despising God. Let that sink in deep. Let the fear of God be the beginning of wisdom for you. He that sins against God despises God. Don't be that guy. Proverbs 14, 21. Again, he that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. But he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. All of these tie in. I really don't have my notes together like I should today, and that's nobody's fault but my own. I apologize. This could this could be much cleaner if it was all if these were all put together in their categories and groups. But right now we're just running these verses. It's what we've got, and um, due to circumstances today, we've got to hurry again today. So Proverbs fifteen twenty: A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. A foolish man despiseth his mother. A foolish man. Um, the, by the way, in typology, the Gentile church is the bride of Christ. The Jewish church is the bride of the father in typology. And if you despise those, those institutions that God has made, the Jewish church of old that is in reproach right now today and is in chastening, or if you despise the Gentile church that today has spiritual privilege, you despise your spiritual mother in typology. 
It goes on here. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. So now we can see that you can despise your own soul. You can despise your mother. You can despise your neighbor. You can despise your father. You can despise God. You can despise others. You can despise the word of God, the commandment of God, the instruction of God. Here in verse 32, he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But here that he that heareth reproof getteth unto understanding. So then hearing is how to not despise, which gives you the direct contrast that not hearing is despising. If you will not listen, then you're despising. And that is the direct context of what this is saying. We can learn by inference. This is what despising is, not listening to, not honoring, not reverencing, not obeying one who is in authority, not listening, not hearkening, counting a unholy thing, counting a unneeded thing, overlooking, bypassing is despising. This is... um, the Bible, defining the Bible. This is how you rightly divide the word of truth, how you interpret scripture. You let the Bible define the Bible. Proverbs 19 verse 16 he that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his ways shall die. You can despise your own ways. How do you do that? By not keeping the commandment. When you fail to keep the commandment, you despise your own ways, and thereby you despise God. Proverbs 30 and verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Now go to Isaiah. So there is a curse on those that despise. There's a curse on despising things that you shouldn't despise. Now, um, the word despise, I didn't check the other uses of it. I didn't write them all down here, but the word despise is usually used in a negative content or context. Isaiah 49, 7 says here, thus saith the Lord, the redeemer of Israel and his holy one to whom man despiseth, to whom the nation abhorreth to a servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the holy one of Israel and he shall choose thee. So here it has the holy one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah who would come to deliver us from our sins. And it says of Christ that man despiseth him, that the nation abhorreth him. And it links the word despising to abhorring. To abhor something is to hate it, to hate it with all your soul and to loathe it and desire it to be thrust away from you. When you abhor something, you get them out of your someone, you get it out of your presence, away from you. You will not tolerate it in your presence. That's what this abhorrence is. And it's linked there to the despising it's linked. It doesn't mean the same thing. Watch out for Bible teachers who use one word to redefine another word. It's one thing to get some light from another word, but to redefine a word and reinterpret scripture is also wrong. There's just a linking here between despising and abhorring. Men would despise Christ, overlook him, ignore him, not see the value of him, not listen to him, not hearken to him, not respect him, but the nation would abhor him, thrust him out crucify him, crucify him, they said. Now, that's what despising it is. Our text here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 8 says, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given us his Holy Spirit. 
He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given us his Holy Spirit. Now this here is um, in the context of defrauding your brother in the direct context, and that defrauding being in direct context, sexual immorality, but also as applies to any matter there in verse 6. So how you treat your brethren matters. God cares how you treat your brethren. If you despise your brethren, then God cares, and he's going to take notice because you are despising not man, but God. He therefore that despiseth, which is to discount, to scorn, to think unfit or unworthy of recognition, despiseth not man, but God. Now you think you're upset with your brother. You think that you're getting angry with your brother. The reality is that you're actually upset and angry with God. And the third part here tells us why. You might say, how so? How come despising men means despising God? It says here in um, the third part of this verse, who hath given us his Holy Spirit. God lives in your brothers and sisters in the Lord. God lives in your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's look at a few verses real quick uh, that will give us some, some better idea of this and a better understanding of this concept in this verse. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, or I'm sorry, ye have heard that it, it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. So God here is laying down some very strict law that anyone that even calls his brother a fool is in danger of hell fire. You see, God's ways are not our ways. Man's ways are very different from God's ways. We think that there is all this extra room for hierarchies. We think that um, I have a right to think of myself more highly than my brother, or my brother has a right to think of him more more highly than I. Uh, we have all of our caste systems where we think this guy's more valuable than that guy. We have monetary prestige systems where if I have so much money, that means that I deserve extra respect. And if you have less money, you deserve less respect. And we tend to think this way as humans, but God says um, that if you say to your brother, thou fool, you're in danger of hell fire, showing that God cares how you deal with other people. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. And in the book of James, it very clearly deals with respect of persons. If they're coming to your assembly, a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and you say to him, sit thou here in a good place, say to the poor, sit thou there in a, at my footstool, or etc. You go look it up and get it verbatim. He says that if you do that, that you're sinning, that that respect of persons is sin and that God will judge it. So God does not think as man thinks. God has put his spirit in your brothers and sisters in Christ. And therefore, if you despise your brother and sister in Christ, you are despising the Holy Spirit of God that lives within them. God takes it very 
very, very personally. Now, even a lost person was made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. That's what the Bible teaches of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And for you to despise, pass over, look over, look down on, scorn, be irreverent to, disrespectful to your fellow man is to sin against Almighty God because man was made in the image of God. But beyond that, for a brother and sister in Christ, this becomes exponential because the brother and sister in Christ are not just made in the image of God. They are now the temple of the Holy Ghost, which we'll look at here in just a second. Chapter 5, verse 23 of Matthew says, If thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Think of the absurdity of bringing a gift to the altar to offer to God. And as you're there kneeling at the altar, your brother is knelt at the other end of the same altar and you're mad at him and he's mad at you. And the Bible says that Christ lives in the believer. Jesus said, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Speaking of the believer saying that the father would come with Christ and make his abode in that believer and that the Holy spirit of God would be sent to live within that believer. So that brother in Christ who's across the altar from you is indwelt with the triune Godhead. The very God that you say that you worship is living in that brother. And you're sitting there trying to offer a gift to God. Well, you despise God's God's other servant who is right there with God living in him. And while you frown and wrinkle your nose and point your finger and judge that other brother unjustly, you are pointing your finger at the same time at God who lives in him. This is the whole reason that he that despises despiseth not man, but God. Now he says here, leave there thy gift before the altar and first go thy way and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Get right with your brother, then come and offer thy gift. Go to the book of John and verse 15 or chapter 15. In chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus has introduced us to the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who he would send. He says, it's needful for you that I go away. He said, you're going to grieve over it. You're going to sorrow, but I will send you another comforter. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So this comforter, the Holy Ghost, is promised to come. Chapter 15, he commands in verse 12, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Now, Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross for our sins. If Jesus loved me so much, he died on the cross for my sins and you look down your long nose at me and despise me, you are despising the object of Christ's adoration and suffering and death. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross to despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ loves you. And if I judge you unjustly, if I am angry with you without a cause, if I call you a fool, I am calling the object of my savior savior's dying love and resurrection power to save from the grave, an unholy thing and an unjust thing. And I'm despising the object of my savior's love, not to mention 
in the fact that my Savior lives within you, and therefore by inference, not not on purpose, not directly, but by inference, I am despising the Savior. If you are walking down the road and you're walking with your mommy, let's say that uh, we have a young man here today and he's walking with his mommy down the street and he's walking along and another boy comes up. Let's say he's about a 12-year-old boy and he comes up with a stick and he says, you stupid old lady, I'm going to beat you with this stick. What would you do? You'd beat him up. That would be a holy and just and righteous response to that situation. Now, a lot of we just lost a lot of people in the online audience. I know that. But the Bible speaks very much, um, has much to say about that. We're not even going to jump off on all that. But there is those that would leave someone else to be beat in the name of turning their cheek are twisting the scripture to hide their cowardice. And they'll show their yellow streak down their back while they run down the road and let a lady get beat because they're so-called non-resistant. Whenever Christ said for you to turn your cheek, he didn't say for you to turn someone else's cheek for them. And the Bible says that God is a defender of the fatherless and we ought to be as God is many other scriptures that could also be applied to that today. There is a time whenever it's whenever you are involved in persecution and you are there as a group that as a group, you must suffer and watch one another suffer. But when some brat comes up just because he's a brat and he wants to just kill and steal and destroy, you have a responsibility before God to defend the weak that's and that is throughout the scriptures now that being said why would you want to defend your mother he's not attacking you but you love your mother And because you love your mother and you proceeded and came forth from your mother and therefore you are part of your mother, you would defend your mother and praise God for a young man that has the backbone to at least say that he would defend his mother and may God help you to do that if the situation ever arises, even if it costs you your life. You defend the weak. You defend mothers. You defend children. You defend the innocent. It is godly. It is upright. It is holy to defend those that cannot defend themselves. So um, here, Jesus is living, the Holy Ghost is living, the Father is living inside that Christian, and whenever you come up and attack that other Christian, when you talk behind their back to other people and you say bad things about them, whenever you do that, you offend Christ. It is an offense to Christ to do that. (coughs) That's why it says, he that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. John chapter 17 and verse 11. He says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And that will ultimately be expressed. People say, well, the church isn't one. So we can prove that proves that um, Christ's um, work is in, has no efficacy. The church is one in heaven. Those who are absent from the body and present with the Lord are perfectly united and they are one body joined together with the Lord in heaven for eternity. Praise God. And that is the ultimate answer to this prayer of Jesus Christ. Though we do need to have unity on earth, doubtless the to be one as God is one. Did you hear what he just said? 
To be one as we are one, that means to be absolutely welded into the Godhead. That's what Jesus said, that the will of God is for Christians. Isn't that amazing? That someday we will be one with one another as Christ is one with the Father, and we will be in Christ, and Christ will be in us, and we will be there in heaven, in Christ, seated in Christ, in heavenly places, not just in our position, but also practically And that will result in the ultimate unity that Christ here prays for. But in the meantime, Christ desires that we evidence that oneness on earth and that we evidence it by loving one another. It's also there in verse 21 through 23, that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I am thee, that they also may be one in us. Did you hear that? That they also might be one in us. Now there's a worldly aspect of this, that God wants us to be one in the earth, one today in the earth, one in the Father in the earth, one in the Son in the earth. This is a mystery, but it's true that this unity that God desires us to have be that we be in Christ and Christ in us and us in Christ means that we are one and we are together. If that is true and you despise a man who is in Christ and who Christ is in, then you despise God. If you despise a local body of believers who are in Christ and Christ is in them, then you despise God. He that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given us the Holy Spirit. He says here that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I am thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Get this. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. The Bible says that the church is a mystery. The church is a mystery. The doctrine of the church is clear in the Bible that it exists. The doctrine is clear that it is a Gentile bride, a called out assembly, called out from this world, elect, precious, um, coming as lively stones built together, Peter said unto a lively habitation, a lively house. He has all of these types, all these symbols that he's giving (coughs) that deal with the doctrine of the church. But even though the doctrine of the church is a miss is clear, there is an aspect of the church that is absolutely mysterious. And that is the consummation of the church and how that the church will be in Christ and Christ in the church and that they will be one with Christ and the father. And that is a mystery that is beyond. You think the Trinity is hard to understand and it is. The Trinity is beyond understanding. How can God, the father and God, the son and God, the Holy ghost be one when they're all separate. How can God, the father speak from heaven? Well, the Holy spirit of God comes down as a dove to light upon God, the son, Jesus Christ, who's just been baptized as a man by John the Baptist to fulfill all righteousness and a voice from heaven say this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And yet the word of God clearly and distinctly say that these three are one, not one in thought, not one in action, not one in unity. Now people preach this in John 17 and say, see the church should be one in thought. The church should be one in heart. That is not what Jesus said. 
He said, one, as we are one, the church is to be so welded together that your wants are my wants. Your needs are my needs. Your desires are my desires. Your heart is my heart. Your thoughts are my thoughts. We should be of one mind, of one heart, and way deeper than that, actually, literally one. And the ultimate consummation of that reality will take place in heaven when the bride is received into glory at the wedding supper of the Lamb, whenever Jesus Christ welds his church forever into himself. I don't know how that works. It'll be holy, it'll be precious, it'll be glory, it'll be wonderful, and when that happens, there will be no sin, there will be no suffering, because when we see him, we will be like him as he is. Hallelujah! And that is the blessed hope that the church has, the blessed hope that we look forward to. Eternal life in our sin-cursed bodies would be eternal death. That's what the lost get. They get resurrected in their sin-cursed bodies, and then they get cast into eternal death. An eternal sentient suffering in the lake of fire according to the word of God. The main text on that though there are dozens and dozens and dozens of texts is the second to last chapter of Revelation verse 11. I believe it's Revelation 20 that's right. Revelation 20 verse 11 through the end of that chapter deals with that. You can look at it in your own um, on your own. Now he wants us to be one as he is one. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Let's look at how your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. This verse has come up several times in our recent studies, and it may continue to come up. 1 Corinthians 6 um, and verse 19 here. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. <coughs> now the Bible says it doth not yet appear what we shall be. That's in 1 John. I don't know if we'll get there today or not. But he says that when we see him, we shall be like him. And here it says you're bought with a price. You look across the aisle and you see an overweight man sitting there with crumbs on his shirt from the fellowship meal. And he's got food stuck in his mustache. And he looks tired and he's falling asleep while the pastor's preaching. He's got grease on his knuckles. His, he's unkept and messy and dirty. And you look over there and you see that man and say, that does not look like God at all. But it will. If he's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will. God will change this vile body and make it like unto his own glorious body, the word of God says. So what we see is not what will appear. When you look around the church, what you see with your eyes is not what God sees. God sees through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see through human vision. And we need to get God's sight. Because what happens is we look through human sight and human understanding and we see human error, we see human problems, we see human shortcomings, and God looking down from heaven sees through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ, and he says, thou art beautiful, O my love, as Terza, comely as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. Turn away thine eyes from me, for they have overcome me. And God Almighty is in love. They say love is blinding. In a case, in this case, that's also true. God's vision is 
blinded by the by the blood of Jesus Christ from seeing our sins. That's the work of the propitiatory sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, where he died for all the sins of all mankind is then applied to those only who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ through intercedes the father and the father sees the blood. He doesn't see your sins. He sees the blood. But when you see your neighbor's sins and despise your neighbor, you've and fail to see God in your neighbor. You despise not man, but God. Don't be that guy. First Corinthians eight and verse 12. It says here when and through thy knowledge shall the weak thy weak brother perish the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. This is a different context speaking of eating meat sacrificed to idols not studying that right now but we can take an application here. But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience ye sin against Christ. Therefore this would be a form of despising your brother sinning against their weak conscience. So here he said, when ye sin so against the brethren, ye sin against Christ. And that is the application that we can take away. To sin against your brother is to sin against Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 30, he says, For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of? Speaking of Christian liberty. Again, we're not studying that. We're just taking an application here. He says, for that, he says, why am I evil spoken of for that which I get for which I give thanks. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Now that pleasing all men in direct context deals with salvation. So if you're pleasing all men, if you're a people pleaser that lets people go to hell and doesn't warn them, you have excluded yourself from what this is saying, because he says, I seek not mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. This pleasing all men is for the purpose of their salvation. And it has to do also with preaching the gospel and telling them that they are in need of a savior to flee from the wrath to come. But this pleasing all men applies today to our study that he that despiseth despiseth God and it has to do with salvation Romans 14 deals um, here with the weak brother as well him that is weak in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations this we could do the whole chapter on this and it would apply now I do need to throw in something here a doubtful disputation is not a subject it is a argument a disputation is an argument we'll just throw that in for free the doubtful part means um, that the subject matter is neither here nor there it's not really got a whole lot of evidence on either side what we're told here to avoid is not the subject matter but the argument over the doubtful subject matter in any case that was for free him that is weak in the faith in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations 
And he says, for one believeth that he may eat all things, another is weak, eateth herbs. He, goes, he says, look at verse 3, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. So despising here is put in contrast and equivalency at the same time with judging. It's two sides of the same coin. When you judge your brother, when you think that you are better than your brother, and can tell them, oh, you're wrong to eat that meat and I'm right in my position or vice versa, then you are other side of the coin, despising them. Usually the guy with liberty despises the guy with law. The guy with law is usually tends towards legalism is the one that will judge. And the guy with liberty is usually the guy that will despise. They're just basically two different angles on the same sin of setting at naught thy brother. He says in verse four, who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up for God is able to make him stand. Look at verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? So there that setting at naught thy brother is the direct equivalent of despising. And he says, why do you judge and why do you set at naught? For for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of his own self, of, of his, of himself to God. Now he says here, we got to keep moving. We got to keep, keep trucking. Um, he says, verse 20 for meat, destroy not the work of God for meat, destroy not the work of God. He says it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And he goes on here. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification for even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen on me. So here we're shown God's way instead of despising is to make room for your brother, to give them as much space, give them as much slack, give them as much liberty, give them as much understanding as you possibly can. Now, man's way might be to make extra rules for your brother. You look over there and see him that is weak. You see a weak Christian that doesn't know um, everything that you know. So now we have to make a bunch of rules for church membership. And you can only be a full-fledged member of our church if you keep all of these rules. That is despising. Now, again, legalism tends towards judging. License tends towards despising. You get somebody that's mixed up in license, they're more likely to despise than someone in legalism who will rather level the gavel of their own judgment against the person and try and judge the person before the time. Go to Psalm 52 verse 16. 
And we're going to, we got to keep moving because we still have several scriptures to go over before we finish our study on despising today. Um, Psalm 52, Lord, help me to rightly divide the word and not substitute my opinions for your instruction. Father, help me, Lord, and lead me in Jesus name. Amen. Why boastest thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteously, righteousness. Selah. This is Psalm 52. <clears throat> and I got the wrong Psalm, but boy, does it apply. This one here, he's speaking of devising mischief, loving evil more than good, lying rather than to speak righteousness. And this is despising. The Psalm I was looking for it was Psalm 50. That's the actual one that I was looking for. Psalm 50 and verse 16. But unto the wicked, God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with them and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou hast given thy mouth the evil and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. That's some strong speech from the Lord. That is some strong speech from the Lord. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. And he says it to these that speak against thy brother and slander thine own mother's sons. Hebrews 10, Hebrews chapter 10, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he that is, he that is faithful. He is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now this here, as he's telling, exhorting us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, he's speaking of despising. When you say, ah, there's nothing at that church but a bunch of hypocrites. I haven't got any time for them. I can worship God in my boat on the lake better than I can in that house of hypocrites. If you're talking about a false demonic Baalistic church that names the name of Christ but does not obey the word of God at all and is not truly the bride of Christ, then you may be safe and you may be right. But if you utter those kinds of things against the church of the living God, no matter how carnal she may appear at the time, you are in trouble with God. He that despiseth, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given unto us the Holy Spirit. It says here in verse 26, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses's law. 
died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despot under the Spirit of grace. That means has done that which is despiteful to the Spirit of grace. What a serious warning is given to us here in the word of God. These that run out on church and they've got no time for church and they say that they're saved are in for a shock at judgment day. I'm going to bust hell wide open. There's nothing left for you but a certain fearful looking for of wrath and fiery indignation that shall devour the adversaries. This is that despising. He that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. Here, let's look at a few verses in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 9. we got to move. The Lord knoweth how, or let's hear that's Second Peter. Moving on. Lord, help me today. 1 John 2, 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. None occasion of stumbling. Remember the primary context here of our text in 1 Thessalonians 4, 8 is that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor and that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter for the Lord is the avenger of all such. It talks about abstaining from fornication. It talks about um, uh, this um, lust of concupiscence. So this is saying here that you hate your brother by if you cause them to stumble, if you put a stumbling block of iniquity in front of them. If you, I, I remember a guy brought over a movie once that was full of immorality and wickedness and I had to shut the movie off in the middle of the movie and tell him that I just didn't even know what to do. I just walked up, shut the movie off, jerked it out. I shouldn't have even been watching movies anyway, but I was and all kinds of junk that I allowed, I shouldn't have allowed. But here this brother brought over stuff that was so wicked and so vile, I couldn't even take it in my backslidden state that I was living in at the time. And I had to shut the thing off and stick it in a case and and I just dropped it back up on top of the shelf there and went and sat down and didn't say a word. The brother got up, told his wife, come on. They got their stuff together, picked up their movie, and left the house without hardly a word. The fact of the matter is that whenever that man brought that trash into my home, he was expressing demonic, devilish hatred for me and for my family. And when you put trash in front of your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you flirt with another man's wife, when you flirt with another woman's husband, ladies, whenever you act untoward towards your brothers and sisters in Christ and defraud your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you defraud your husband wives, when you defraud your husband women, withhold your body from them, from the other, withhold your love from your wife men, when you do these things and cause an occasion to stumble, you are hating your brother, despising your brother and that hatred towards them. God counts personally towards him. He that despiseth, despiseth not God or not man, but God who also hath given us his spirit. It says he that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because the dark 
darkness has blinded darkness hath blinded his eyes. Look at verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out from us that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. These that despise the church and throw the bride of Jesus Christ behind their backs despise the bridegroom. So we'll go on to chapter three, beloved. Now are we the sons of God in verse two, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. This is that, that your brother is, is not what he will be. You must learn to see your brothers and sisters in Christ, in Christ. We call them brothers and sisters in Christ, but do you see them as in Christ? He says in verse 14 of chapter three, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And then it goes on, but whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Again, the applications are bountiful. Here he makes the application to one that is in need and whether or not you deal with him appropriately. If you do not take care of your needy brethren in the Lord, then you are defrauding them. We looked at all those applications um, earlier when we talked about defrauding and that defrauding translate it translates into despising. So let's keep going. First John four and verse seven, it says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. So it's saying you have not seen God, but you have seen your brother. And then we get down here to verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? If you cannot love your brother who is the temple of the Holy ghost who the triune Godhead has taken up abode in, you are a liar. When you say that you love God, that's what the Bible's saying. That's why the Bible says, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not men, but God who hath also given us his Holy Spirit. Chapter 4 and verse 20 there is a very powerful verse. We'll read it again, and, and then we're going to move to our final verse, Lord willing. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Luke chapter 10 and verse 16. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, 
um, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. But as they, before they went out, he says there, he that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. Now, this can be abused. We're not going to take time. We're, just, we're going to close this thing out. But whenever a so-called Christian is sinning and then uses these kinds of texts to say that you cannot take biblical action against them or to keep from accompanying with them, as the Bible clearly commands us to in 1 Corinthians, that's a resting of Scripture. This is applying to the church that is following God, not the false church, not the satanic church, not the church that is in judgment because they are dis obeying God and refusing to obey the word of God. This is applying um, this application of hearing specifically he that heareth you heareth me and he that despiseth you despiseth me and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me applies to the church that is obedient to God. Now, some of you'd say, well, there's no church that's obedient to God, so I absolve myself right there. What is it to be obedient to God? We're to keep his commandments, the Bible says. And in John, he says, this is his commandment, that you believe on him whom he hath sent, his son, Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The commandment to the church of our day that represents our, um, our church age that we are in, our, our period of the church age, is that of Laodicea, and he commands us to repent. Listen, a church that is repenting, trying hard to follow God, trying to be obedient to the word of God. If you despise them, you despise God. Preacher shows up at your door, knocks on it. You don't want to listen. You think I'm a thing of no worth, no account. You despise God. But the application, the primary application in its context deals with defrauding your brethren, entering into fornication, illicit relationships within the church house. God cares how you deal with one another. You young people here, listen to me. Whenever you're looking for a spouse, it matters how you deal with your brother or sister in Christ who God brings your way. You better not despise them. You better not defraud them. You better not commit fornication. You despise God if you do. Father, in Jesus' name, please help us to understand the, the weight of this and to not be that guy. We don't want to be that guy, Lord. We want to be right with you. We ask you this in Jesus' name for grace and power to be right with you. In Jesus' name, amen.